Hey everyone, Eric Grenier here, and welcome to the 58th episode of the RIT Podcast. We're in week one of the Quebec election campaign. Voting day will be on October 3rd. Throughout the election, I'll be joined by Philippe J. Fournier of 338 Canada and QC125.com to pour over the latest polling results and campaign developments. Starting next week, Philippe and I will be putting out bonus podcast episodes for paid subscribers of The Writ only. So if you want to have access to those episodes, head to TheRit.ca to subscribe, take advantage of a 10% off Quebec Elections special offer. In the meantime, Philippe is here with me today to set up this campaign and what we've seen over the last few days. Philippe, how are you doing so far? I'm sure it's been a busy week. Uh, hi, Eric. It's good to see you. Uh, yes, it's been an insanely busy week. Uh, you know, something that pe- perhaps Canadians outside of Quebec do not realize is that how much Quebecers care about their provincial politics. Uh, it's it's a far, far bigger deal than uh, the federal election. So, uh, yes, I've been doing my media rounds. Uh, I have maybe... 100 emails a day about questions. <laughs> so uh, it's very busy, but uh, so far it's going well. Thanks. Yeah, you need an assistant, I think. Yeah, I wish that the... Uh, I wish that, right here. She's yeah, right. your uh, <laughs> cat. Um, yeah, I wish that uh, sometimes the other provinces in the country uh, had as much excitement about their provincial elections as in Quebec. Yeah. Uh, we didn't see that in Ontario just a few months ago. So. No. No, we didn't. We really didn't. I mean, 43.5 turnout rate, that I think it was in Ontario. The the lowest in Quebec was 58% in 2008. And there was a massive snowstorm the day before. It was a December election. So usually our elections have a higher 60s and 70s uh, uh, turnout rate. So hopefully it stays up, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. Well, actually, uh, that brings me up a question here. In Ontario, one of the reasons I think the turnout was pretty low was that everybody kind of just assumed Doug Ford and the PCs were going to win. In this election, everybody seems to kind of assume that's going to be the CEQ and François Legault that wins. Do you think that's going to lower the turnout? I do not know. That's the thing. I can see many scenarios unfold, but there's one thing that's dramatically different here. We have five parties, one upstart in the Conservatives, and the two traditional parties that had have ruled Quebec for the past 50 years outside the CEQ, of course, the Liberals and the Parti Québécois, they're fighting for their lives. And so even though, yes, all the polling shows that the CEQ should win uh, rather easily, uh, there are very dramatically different scenarios that could unfold after the election. I mean, if Eric Duhem and the Conservatives uh, are shut out of the National Assembly, or if they win three or four seats, it's a dramatically different scenario uh, for 2026, for instance. If the Parti Québécois is wiped out, or if the Parti Québécois manages to survive this election and weather the storm, same thing for the Liberals, if they're shut out of Francophone Québec. Uh, so, yeah, the, the the state of the opposition parties really is in play, and the, it, we could have a very different uh, Quebec politics for the next 10 years. Whereas in Ontario, I I don't know, liberals and DP, you know, it, who cares? Uh, I don't want to insult anybody in Ontario, but that was a snooze fest. Uh, but yeah, it's not their fault. It's not the people of Ontario's fault, of course. No. It's, uh, you know, the politicians, but yeah. Yeah, of course, blame them. Okay, um, so the campaign started on Sunday, so we've already been uh, a week into it. Now, we're recording on Thursday morning, so if anything happens during the day on Thursday, we won't obviously have a chance to talk about it, but... Is there anything that you've seen over this first week that kind of encapsulates what this election is? Huh. 
Uh, I think it's too early to tell. However, because, you know, these summer elections, uh, I think people really start paying attention once Labor Day is out. Uh, so, so far, I think they're just practicing. But two things I would say. Uh, first, we see the effects of aging population in Quebec, because right now, what are we talking about? We're talking about tax cuts. We're talking about uh, health care. And that's it. We, we're not talking about the environment. Uh, Quebec Solidaire is trying really hard to change the narrative. But uh, yeah, so apparently... Uh, these massive tax cuts. We're talking about billions of dollars of tax cuts that they're promising uh, because, of course, all of our problems in schools and hospitals are solved now. So we have too much money, so we should give them back. Uh, and also to fight inflation, it's always a good idea, and I'm being sarcastic here, to inject liquidity in the population. So it's uh, it's it's been a rough first few days. Um, perhaps I'm not the target demographic, of course, but, uh, but uh, so far I think they're vying for the uh, sub urban and regions vote. Uh, we see François Legault right now, uh, this, this, yesterday and today, he's in both. That means he's playing defense against, uh, against Eric Duhem. So, uh, so far, this is what I, uh, I've seen in the first week. I do find it interesting that some of the regions that seem to be the most interesting to watch are places that you don't always see a lot of attention, like the Bose. The Bose would usually not be a place that you would spend a lot of time in. It's a pretty solidly CEQ before that, you know, ADQ, maybe the Liberals. Um, and also, you know, in the Gaspésie, there's there's a lot of uh, people having to spend some time out there, which takes a lot of time out of the campaign because it's not easy to get to. Uh, but the PQ oh, is trying absolutely. to defend all of its seats, right? So it, it, it is kind of spreading out the map a little bit more than it's just, it's not just, you know, the Katzeng Zero and, and the Eastern Townships and <laughs> like it always is in election campaigns. That's right. Uh, the 450, the 450, for those who don't know, that these are the suburbs of Montreal, a bit similar to the 905 around Toronto. Uh, the thing is, uh, there are 33 seats in total. The, the, the CAQ should win maybe 31. So that's settled. Uh, I don't want to say it can't change, of course, during the campaign. But in 2018, uh, Eric, as you know, uh, the CAQ hit a wall at the limits of Rimouski and all the way down to St. Lawrence and the Gaspésie. This was PQ territory. And we saw the, the, the premier, Legault, uh, go there in uh, this spring very often. And he will go there again during the campaign because he really wants those seats. And uh, perhaps if the PQ cannot defend this territory, they'll, they'll be done basically they'll have one seat in Matan Matapedia Pascal Berube uh, and I don't know how you get back up from this but uh, yeah let's uh, talk about some of the polls that we have seen now there's only been two polling firms out so far I am wondering uh, I'm not sure if you've spoken to anybody but whether we're going to see a lot more because it feels like you know there used to be crop that would put out polls during Quebec election campaigns they seem to have no longer interest in putting out provincial kind of politics polls. Uh, so it feels like Leger has been left the field a little bit. And there might be some, maybe we'll see an Epsos, uh, you know, a, a poll here or there. But all we've had so far is Leger and Main Street, which is putting out a daily tracker. Do you, do you have any idea if we're going to see a lot more polling? I mean, it's also not an interesting uh, campaign in the sense of polls, right? Unless some trends develop. Well, that's... Oh. That's the thing, though. I, I think there are many storylines that are worth following, but mm. we have to remember that the polling firms, when they poll uh, during elections, it, this is a net loss for them uh, because the media corporations don't have the money to pay full price. Uh, so I, I can understand. It's entirely legitimate for, let's say, Ipsos or another firm to say, we don't want to spend tens of thousands of dollars on polling because we know who's going to win. Uh, I think it, this is maybe a bit short-sighted. Yeah, the CAQ is going to win, but there's a huge difference if the Liberals survive or not, or if the Parti, or the Parti Conservateur, uh, you know, gets seats or not. But um, 
From what I've heard so far, we're going to have very few polls. Mm. Uh, Leger should put one maybe in the middle of the campaign, one at the end, uh, additionally to the one they put out uh, last weekend. Uh, the Main Street tra Tracker is there. Uh, however, it had a rocky start. The numbers look really weird. Uh, of course, you know, they can adjust uh, along the way. But um, yeah, we the fact that a CEQ is so dominant could make this a bit more boring polling-wise. I hope not, obviously, because again, I think there are many interesting storylines. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I haven't seen Cup in a while. Uh, Echoes, maybe, Anger Street Institute. Sometimes they do one or two during the campaign. We'll wait and see. Yeah. Uh, so we have seen those two polls. Uh, so Main Street is doing a daily tracker. So the one that I'm looking at is the one they put out on Wednesday afternoon. So they'll probably put out right. another one on Thursday afternoon. So they had 41 for the CAQ, 18 for the Liberals. 18 for the Conservatives, 12 for the Quebec Solidaire, 7 for the Parti Québécois. Léger, the one that they put out just before the election, had 42 for the CAQ, 17 for the Liberals, 15 for Quebec Solidaire, 14 for the Conservatives, 9 for the Parti Québécois. So not a huge amount of difference between these two now. Um, and when you see that the opposition is just split four ways. You know, in Ontario, there was, that, there was that potential for if all of the NDP vote got behind the Liberals or if all the Liberal vote got behind the NDP. But here... You know, there's not going to be the Parti Québécois is going to give votes to the Liberals or the Conservatives are going to give vote for the Quebec Solidaire. There's no chance for that that one vehicle, that one anti-CAQ vehicle to emerge from this, it seems to me. You, you are correct. I mean, even though the Ontario Liberals and Ontario NDP are different parties, please don't jump on me, but they are connected some way. Uh, the voters sometimes go from one to the other, right? Uh, there is a channel there. Uh there are very few channels between those parties in Quebec. I mean, Quebec Solidaire has eaten up the left wing of, of Parti Québécois in the past 15 years. That's, I mean, it's not that's not reversible, I think. Uh, and the Parti Conservateur, thing is, Eric Duhem is not himself uh, you know, a conspirationist or uh, you know, but he attracts a lot of those peoples. Uh, they're they're anti-system. They're really uh, angry at the government and CAQ and François Legault. And we do not see that much that much anger from the other parties. There's of course they want to beat the CAQ, but when we see the polls, we looked at the uh, the Pickist and the Liberals. They're not completely dissatisfied with François Legault. So I don't think there's a there's a channel between the conservatives and the other parties. So they, they, they are closed bubbles. Uh, and uh, that's why it's so, I mean, the CAQ could get between 40 and 45%. That still leaves a majority of Quebec voters mm -hmm. not voting CAQ, but they can't agree on uh, on how to beat the CAQ. So uh, this is a recipe for a massive seat victory, as you know. Yeah, yeah. And if you, uh, the Main Street poll had, uh, had some breakdowns between the island of Montreal and the and the suburbs of Montreal. So in the Leger polls, you know, CAQ's ahead by 20, 30 points in Quebec City. They're ahead by 20, 30 points in the rest of Quebec. And they're ahead by about, I can't remember what it was, but five, 10 points. In, seven, yeah, seven points. In and around yeah. Montreal. But when you see the Main Street numbers, which were similar in terms of the greater Montreal, uh, you did have the Liberals actually a teeny little bit ahead on the island of Montreal. Now, a lot of that's in the West Island. But in the the suburbs, there again, you had a huge lead for the CAQ. So it, it does seem like, aside from a few individual ridings, like in eastern Quebec, in Quebec City, and you know, in parts of Montreal, it's really hard to see how anybody else is winning more than a, an individual seat that is a surprise or something like that. 
we would have to see a major uh, misstep, a screw-up from Lego and his team. We would have to see something major to veer this campaign around. Because it's not only that he's leading, it's just he's, he's been leading for four years. Mm. And I'll ask you this, Eric, uh, because uh, you followed polling for uh, longer than I did, but when has a government uh, led in every single poll during an entire four-year term? Yeah. Uh, I, I can't remember many of them. In Quebec, there was none. Since polling in Quebec, uh, it's been implemented on a regular basis. Never a party has led every single poll for four years. Uh, and I I, I'm guessing it hasn't happened that often. No, unless you're talking about, you know, Alberta with the PCs before that kind of thing. But yeah. federally, you know, the liberals uh, were leading after the 2015 election and then lost that lead ahead of the 2019 election, right, in the summer just before. Yeah. Um, so it, it's true. It's, it is pretty rare. Uh, and especially not that they're just ahead by two or three points. I, I can't recall what the closest margin one was in any poll over the last four years. I'm sure it was still double, double digits, right? Because it was, yeah, they've it been was, yeah. so far ahead. One of the questions that I, I've been getting from people is about whether, you know, Quebec Solidaire, the Conservatives could uh, make enough of a breakthrough that it's someone else who wins the opposition. But the Liberals, you know, they've had a bit of a rough start to the campaign with finding candidates, candidates dropping out, candidate vacancies they still haven't filled. Their campaign has just been, it seems like they've gone off to a bad start, had weather delays in terms of being able to get around to where they wanted to go. Um, yeah. It hasn't been a good start for them, but their floor is still really high, right? Yeah, it's not as high as it used to be. Um, you know, I think in last December, you and I did a little game of over and under, and I think I, I said the Liberals cannot go below 20 seats, and now I wonder if they can get above 20 seats. So that, that floor is still high. I mean, if those numbers stay, we should still see the Liberals in the official opposition status. However, uh, it's that's, and that's going to please the CEQ. It will be mostly uh, non-Francophones, Quebecers, that will be represented by the Liberals. And so uh, the CAQ will be able to say, you see, we are the true Quebecers and there are the Anglos against us. And I know I'm paraphrasing and I, you know, but uh, the, the, the fact that the Liberals have single digit support among Francophones, ugh, I mean, let's remember, there was always this non-Francophone support for the Liberals. But Jean Charest and uh, Philippe Couillard won the Francophone vote <laughs> in, their, in, their, in their, their tenure. Uh, so in the fact that they, the, 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 the Liberals are so low right now from Francophones, it creates huge problems because uh, they, will, they will be labeled as the Anglo party. And that's, that's some, not something that the Liberals want, of course, uh, in their rebuilding. Do they have any chances outside of, you know, Pontiac in the Udaway and the, the ridings on the island of Montreal? Do they have any prospects uh, east of, you know, the, the downtown no. of Montreal? No, they don't. Mm. They don't. Uh, I mean, I've spoken to, I toured the parties this summer. I talked to the, the, the organization and the strategist of every party in Quebec, including the Liberals. And it was an off-the-record conversation, so I'm not going to reveal what I learned. But it was really interesting to see that the Liberals still believe that they will get back to, uh, you know, not winning, of course, but uh, respectability. Uh, and so far, in the, during the summer, those numbers have gotten worse. And... Um, I don't know. I mean, Madame Antlade, Dominique Antlade, the liberal leader, 
is very feisty. She 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 is fighting for it. She's not giving up. It's just that it, there doesn't seem to be any connection between her and Francophone Quebec, at least according to the polls. Um, but outside of Montreal and let's say Brossard and uh, one seat in Laval, so this is the greater Montreal still, outside of this, they, they won two seats outside of Montreal uh, in Outaouais in 2018, and they've gone down since. And they lost both of those seats. Robert Val and Jean Talon, as you know, mm-hmm. were lost to the CEQ in by-elections. There's no indication that those seats are coming back. Uh, they they did a really good performance in Gaspé. I think they lost by 40 votes. Uh, but then again, there's, there's no data available that shows that the Liberals could be back this election. Uh, so maybe a strong debate, maybe a few screw-ups from Francois Legault. It has to be a perfect storm uh, for this, uh, this ship to turn around. So if their floor is still in the mid to high teens, let's say, in terms of yep. seats, yep. because there is a minimum, right, for them. It's not that they can drop below 10 just because of how well they do among uh, the Anglophone population. A party like Quebec Solidaire, do they have any prospects of finishing second in the seats? It's not impossible. It's not the most plausible scenario, but it's not impossible. I mean, Quebec Solidaire still has opposite to the Liberals. Quebec Solidaire also has a strong floor. They they won't lose many of those seats, if any at all. But the the, the ceiling is is low. Uh, they you know they could have good performances. Let's say in Saint Francois, which is in the Inster townships, or even in Rimouski down the Saint Lawrence. But a good performance of 22 percent, maybe twenty five percent of the votes, still doesn't give you a win. It doesn't give you a Seat. And so I, I think the the absolute sitting that I have for Quebec Solidaire is 16 seats. Mm. So is that enough to win official opposition? If the Liberals really do crash and burn, yeah, it's possible. But it's really not the most plausible scenario. However, Eric, you know as well as I do that the campaigns usually change the numbers. And in 2018, Quebec Solidaire started the campaign at 10% and finished at 16 and now they're starting at 15 or 16. So let's say Gabriel Dubois really outperforms during the debate and does well. Let's say they get 20%. Now it's getting interesting. Now they could cause surprises like they did in Rwanda four years ago. And so, but still, the, 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 you know, they're not winning 30 seats. It, mm-hmm. it, that's, that's not possible. And if they are getting into the mid to high teens, some of those seats are going to come from the Liberals, right? Because they are taking some of the seats on the island of Montreal. So there could be a bit of a transference there. But they do also have to take some CAQ seats, right? Because uh, yeah. they're probably, aside from Ramuski, they don't really have a, a huge prospect of picking up seats from the PQ. And uh, so that means they got to go through the CAQ, right? So that's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy, and I refer this to, uh, you know, the, uh, hockey analogy. I know you like those. Hockey analogy. Mario Lemieux scores 160 points. Yeah, great, but you have Gretzky doing 180. Uh, you know, if even if Quebec Solidaire is doing better in this election, the CEQ has such a massive, massive support from Francophones, above 50% in many polls. And also, when you do, you know, as well as I do, the age breakdown matters a lot. Mm-hmm. The CEQ is dominating the 55 or 65 and over depending on the polls. Uh, and that, you know, again, you mentioned the turnout earlier. If the turnout is lower than usual, that usually means that young voters did not go and vote en masse. And if that happens, Quebec Solidaire has no chance of making any gains. They have to get those young voters out uh, in campuses throughout the province to, uh, to, to hope to make any gains because the CEQ voters, the, the, the older guard, they will go and, uh, and vote. That's for sure. Uh, when you have over 50% or 55% support among the older demographic, 
that's really hard to uh, to beat if you're uh, an opposition party. How about the uh, conservatives? Now, uh, for them to win multiple seats is not going to be easy for them. Uh, looking at the last set of polling, you know, they're doing quite well in the Quebec City area, 25% around there. But the CQ is still at 45, 50%, more or less holding the vote that they had last time. So they, the CQ needs the, or the conservatives needs the CQ vote to come down, but it isn't coming down. So, well, first of all, where are those conservatives coming from? Because if the CQ is holding the vote, I guess the CQ is taking from some of the other parties. But aside from, you know, winning Chauveau, the riding where Eric Duhem is running, you know, he'll have a lot of profile, he'll be in the debate, so he might get a bit of a, a boost just at the local level. But beyond that, what pushes them over the edge to win a second seat, a third seat? There are a few sleepers. Um, the, I, uh, the, the, right now, as you said, the, the, the conservatives are poised to collect second place finishes in the, in the Quebec City area. Not the downtown core, but the, the, the suburbs of Quebec City and, of course, the, the, the east shore the, the, where Lévis and Chaudière. And then if you go down the uh, Highway 73, you get to both. Uh, the, the the Parti Conservateur will do well there, uh, but in let's say let's say the Bosnard and Bosud, the two Boses, the CEQ had over sixty percent of the vote last time. So you would need a major major stumble for for uh, the CEQ to lose those seats. And also uh, the fact that the Liberals and the Parti Québécois are just so unpopular in those regions. Uh, so you cannot have a vote split. Last election, Eric, we had a few seats in and around Montreal where 28 or 29% of the vote got you to win. But that's not going to be the case this time. You know, Eric Duhem and his candidate in both could get 40% of the vote and still lose. Mm. Uh, so, um, you know, Eric Duhem almost needs the uh, Liberals and the, uh, the, the Parti Québécois to go up a little bit to split the vote uh, so he can win those seats. Um, there's also, I mean, I think, uh, for instance, that the CQ still is leading in Lévis with Bernard Drainville as a star candidate. Uh, but I... I it's it's also possible that the the fact that Bernard Rebel is a former PQ cabinet minister plays against him. Uh, the Parti Québécois has not been popular in that region of Quebec for decades, and so uh, some will say some maybe who voted CEQ uh, four years ago they say I don't want to vote for a PQist. That's possible, and they would go to uh, the Conservatives, which are second. Uh, I, we could have a few surprises like this, but still, again, we're we're talking hypotheticals. Mm. Uh, the most likely scenario is perhaps uh, Chauveau, and that's it. We'll have to see if we get any more detailed polling. You know, you talked about how there are some great storylines. And if there was some polling done in uh, certain regions of the province, then we might get a better picture of what's going yeah. on, right? Because, you know, you had Zurem, he was up in the Saguenay area, he was talking about the GNL project there. Uh, not exactly a place where you would expect the Conservatives to do well. The federal Conservatives have won seats in the Saguenay-Lac-Saint-Jean before, so maybe there could be some transference there. But you, it would be good, would be interesting to know if they do have any support in specific pockets of the province that are beyond just the Quebec City region. I think the Conservatives also, I mean, they will t tour around Quebec City. And if, uh, for those who don't know, if the Saguenay is a long way from Montreal, but if you're in Quebec City, it's a two-hour drive around uh, the highway that gets you there. And so he will go to Mauricie, he will go a bit down to St. Lawrence, he will go in. So he's going to circle 
Quebec City area uh, for the campaign. He's not, I mean, if he comes to Montreal for more than a few days, I think those are wasted campaign days because he's not going to elect anybody in Montreal. Uh, but um, but yeah, the, the Saguenay is part of the greater conservative bubble that they hope to get. Uh, they're not going to win seats there, but, you know, Eric Zouem uh, says publicly, I'm here for the long haul. You know, after this election, if my party does well, that means more funding, that means more visibility, and 2026, I will be there. Uh, so uh, he, he's already thinking about the next campaign. That's why he's going to those places. Uh, Parti Québécois hopes that they can have another campaign, uh, you know, after this one. Uh, so 9%, 7%. And even when you look at the regional numbers, uh, in the Main Street in Léger, in the rest of Quebec, which, you know, includes everything from BTB to Miskamang all the way to the Gaspé Z, but uh, you did have the PQ still at very low numbers. It doesn't seem like they have any region that has particular strength. Now, they might have some strength in the Gaspésie, uh, in the bas but we don't really know that because we haven't seen any numbers unless you've seen something, uh, Philippe, but they could be in a lot of trouble because at 9 7%, that means they lost half their vote. And yeah, if you lose exactly. half your vote, and if you want a seat with 40%, uh, you're not going to win that seat anymore. Exactly. I mean, you would need major local effects. I, uh, the example that I, that I mentioned earlier, Rimouski. Rimouski was one of the writings where the local candidate did a tremendous difference because it did not follow national trends or provincial trends uh, in 2018. The, uh, the PQ actually increased its vote in Rimouski, whereas nationally, well, they went from 25 to 17%. That's that's a huge chunk. Uh, but that candidate is not there anymore. He's not running anymore. And so you have a, a bunch of new candidates that are mostly unknown to the public. They are known locally, of course, uh, but you know as well as I do that local candidates that make a huge difference in their writing, they, they, can, they can overperform their party, those exist. But there are the exceptions. There's mm -hmm. a handful of them each election. There's not 20 of them. Uh, so the Parti Québécois <laughs> better hope that their local candidates can make a huge difference because so far, you know, God bless his soul, but Paul Saint-Pierre-Pamondon is touring Quebec with a lot of energy. It must be really demoralizing to see all those numbers. I know I, I wrote a tweet that got a lot of uh, Parti Québécois angry at me. Uh, when the Léger came out, it was 9%, and I said, oh, that's catastrophic. And some answers that I got is like, yeah, well, it was 9 or 10 in the, in the spring. Why is it catastrophic? It's like, yeah, because nothing's changed, and we're closer and closer to the election. And so, you know, we're late in the third period, and you're still down 6 nothing. So nothing happened. Um, and, uh, I mean... As you, chose Bourget, now called Camille Lorrain. It's a writing that the PQ used to win easily, easily uh, in the eastern side of Montreal. It lost it in 2018 to the CEQ. There's no indicator. There's no local polling, regional polling, national polling that that, get, that says that he couldn't win it back. And so. <sighs> It's going to be really hard to, for him to keep a smile on his face for the whole campaign. He, I mean, again, God bless his soul. He's, he's, he's doing with a lot of energy and optimism, but those numbers has to be crushing. It has to get to you at some point. I, that's why I don't do politics, because it would piss me off too much. <laughs> well, in 2018, uh, Jean-François Lisée uh, wasn't able to win a seat, and uh, he was running in uh, Rosemont, was he not? Yeah, he was. Rosemont, uh, my riding where I live, and he did not get a boost. He did not get a, a leader's boost. And you, nope. you could argue that he had a much higher profile than uh, Saint-Pierre Plamondon. Uh, he had more of a track record. So if he couldn't win the seat at a time when the PQ was doing a little bit better, yeah, you, yeah. you, you got to think that Saint-Pierre Plamondon uh, has some 
his future might not be very long in the PQ, though. I mean, if they only get they get crushed again in in an election, yeah. you know, maybe he'll stick around. He he has been around for a while since he ran for the leadership before. But uh, yeah, I, I where can they get any votes? He has the hope that Quebec Solidaire stumbles. The thing is that then again, the the channel between the, the channel between voters of Quebec Solidaire and the Parti Québécois. I mean, these people dislike each other very much. So I, I, Gabriel Nadeau Dubois will not uh, lose many points in this election. If, if not, he probably will gain some. Um, he has to get sovereigntists on board. I mean, there's that's the thing. We had two polls in June about sovereignty. We don't get those uh, very often anymore. Uh, because it's not on the table. But the two polls basically said roughly the same thing. About 30% of Quebecs, uh, Quebecers uh, still identify as sovereignists. Uh, and the PQ is at 9%. <laughs> so what does that tell you? Uh, that tells you that many sovereignists do not believe that the, the Parti Québécois is the vessel to, to, you know, that will lead that to independence. Um, if he does a campaign focused on independence, uh, it will antagonize a lot of people in Quebec, but at least perhaps it will bring back those sovereignists, les brebis. Be uh, Gary to into his fold, and that's what he has to hope to. Uh, so, um, where could they, could they get votes? I mean, again, the CEQ would have to stumble a lot. Uh, and so far, I mean, François Legault can stumble. We know he's, he's able to, uh, but we haven't seen major missteps so far. Um, we'll finish on this then. Uh, for the CEQ, you know, there are those kind of intangibles of just kind of screwing up during the course of the campaign. But is there anything right now that they could or should be nervous about, um, you know, as they're heading into the last month? Huh, that's a good question. Well, they, I've spoken to uh, some senior staff of the CEQ and they, they, they stress that what they fear is that their candidates take their win for granted. Mm -hmm. uh, they, don't, they don't see it that way. They're veterans and they know that, the, you know, the campaign is won on the field. Uh, François Legault, I, I know that the CEQ doesn't want to have Eric Duhem uh, in the way for the next four years. They didn't think they would have to defend their right flank and now here they are. Um, so, but nervous to to lose the election or maybe lose the majority? There's no right now. There's no way they would have to lose seats compared to 2018, and the opposition parties are all lower than they were, uh, except the, the, for the conservatives. So for so far, no. But we'll see in a week. Perhaps it'll change. Yeah, the debates will be interesting because Legault is going to be under attack by everybody. I don't think anybody's going to spend any time going after the other ones because they all know no. that they can get votes from the CEQ, uh, less so maybe from the other parties. So that'll be you know, uh, two nights of just being under attack from four people on a stage. <laughs> hey, maybe there's a chance Logo loses his cool and something happens. Perhaps, uh, perhaps, and or you could say something something stupid. Sometimes when you're tired, when you're stressed out, uh, Legault did a few stumbles in 2018 talking about immigration laws. Uh, he, he was way out in the left field. Voters did not hold it against him, but uh, this time around, you know, there, there's some anger at the CEQ. It's just that it's not the, the CEQ voters are in. I mean, 99% approval for from uh, CEQ voters of François Legault. That's that's as as high as you can get. <laughs> yeah, and in, in a way, it's a little bit like Doug Ford that the gaffes are part of the persona, right? That François Legault is a bit of more right. of a plain speaker, more of the guy that you would you know have at your uh, at your you know Christmas dinner kind of thing from the family who uh, comes along, says a couple things that are. Uh, you know, not exactly what you'd expect, but he has that kind of persona that he's just kind of like, 
a every every man from the business sector. That's how I've always thought of him. <laughs> a folksy, a folksy person. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> well, okay, there is going to be lots to talk about over the next few weeks. Uh, you'll be joining me at the be- beginning of every week for some subscribers-only podcasts. They'll be a little bit shorter than these, but we'll go over some of the latest numbers and developments, and you'll be back at the end of the campaign for a last little uh, tour de table, or, uh, so we'll do that at the end. So, Philippe, thanks very much, and I know you got a lot on your plate, so uh, I'll let you get back to it. Merci beaucoup, Eric. Talk to you soon, and uh, uh, we'll have a have a great campaign, dear Quebec readers. Thanks to Philippe. He'll be back early next week for a bonus episode for subscribers only. So head to the writ.ca if you aren't already a subscriber, because you won't want to miss it. All right, since we will be chatting every week, if you have any specific questions you'd like to hear me and Philip answer, please email them to me. You can reach me at eric.grenier at theritt.ca. In other news, the Green Party of Canada announced its candidates for their leadership race. There are two candidates running on their own, Simon Norquini-Messier from Quebec and Sarah-Gabrielle Barron from Ontario. There are also two joint tickets, one being Anna Keenan from PEI and Chad Walcott from Quebec, and the other being former leader Elizabeth May from BC, of course, and Jonathan Pedneau from Quebec. The winner will be decided in November. Though there are these joint ticket candidates, they will all be individually listed on the ballot. So voters in the Green leadership race will have to uh, choose and rank among these six candidates. Uh, They can't specifically vote for these joint tickets. In Saskatchewan, there will be a by-election in the riding of Saskatoon-Miwassen on September 26. This comes after the resignation of former Saskatchewan NDP leader Ryan Miley. The by-election will serve as a first test for his replacement, Carla Beck. The NDP has held the seat since Miley won it in a by-election in 2017. Finally, I just wanted to mention that I have a chapter in a new book, The Canadian Federal Election of 2021, edited by John H. Pamet and Christopher Dornan. The book is part of a series going back to 1984, covering every federal election with chapters on every aspect of each of these campaigns. My chapter was on the polls. The only compensation I got was a free copy, so I have no stake in sales of the book, but I hope that you'll check it out anyway and pick up a copy. You can find it at the McGill-Queens University Press, and you should be able to find it elsewhere on online booksellers. Okay, that'll be it for this week. I'll be back early next week, the bonus episode with Philippe. And later next week, we'll turn our attention to the conservative leadership race with a last look from the usual gang. All right, until next time, thanks for listening.